Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to our final episode in the inspiring series on creators. This month, we have heard so far from three women who had different stories about how and why they chose to create. And this final episode is a beautiful message to complete the series. Our guiding quote is from Brené Brown. The only unique contribution you will ever make to this world would be born of creativity. One piece I love about that quote is that she weaves in the idea that we do have something unique to offer. And when we tap into our creativity, there's so much that we can contribute. Today's guest is always inspiring to me. And this particular piece of her beautiful life story will inspire you today. Author of the Corner on Character blog and the book, What's Under Your Cape, Barbara Gruner is a beloved school counselor, speaker, mentor, and coach who works passionately to influence school culture and climate change while helping to foster healthy habits and nurturing caring connections among school families and their stakeholders. She positively thrives on stretching empathy. In addition to spending time connecting with family and friends, Barbara loves inspiring people to savor being in the moment as they unwrap the present with gratitude and hope. She and her husband, John, live in Friendswood, Texas. In this episode, we discuss Barbara's love for creating experiences that serve others both in the act of spreading kindness and the joy in collaborating to do it. She shares about a new project she has been working on in partnership with two other creators and the beautiful backstory of the book they will be launching very soon. And she provides insight to the process of writing and publishing a children's book. This is the second time that I've had the honor of featuring Barbara on the podcast, and I encourage you to check out her first episode from a series on motherhood back in 2018. I have linked it in the show notes for your ease. Barbara's generous and kind spirit is such a balm for mine, and I am deeply energized every time we connect. I know her story will inspire you as you hear how she weaves in so many beautiful and powerful Powerful details into her creator story. With great joy, I am so happy to share with you Barbara Gruner's creator story. Welcome back, Barbara Gruner, to the In Awe Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here again today. How are you, my friend? Thank you, Sarah. I am so happy, delighted, and grateful to be back and to just have a chance to reconnect and grow with you today. Every time I have an interaction with you, Barbara, you do exactly that, reconnect and grow. And I'm so grateful. I'm just honored that I got to have an awesome conversation with you early on in this podcast. Listeners, I want to make sure that you're aware this is the second time that I have had Barbara on. And as I know her to be, she's got some growth in her world and has been leading the charge in different ways. Uh, And I'm so excited to hear some updates from you. But I also want to make sure that our listeners you know, they heard your bio, but we got to know what you're currently up to. What's going on in your world right now? Oh, thank you so much. I think maybe last time I was still in the school, but in 2018, after 34 years growing along every age and stage, I was so blessed to be in the schoolhouse 
three and a half decades, I left to kind of start an encore career and really reach a wider audience. Um, I had been laying that groundwork for about 20 years and decided it was it was time to take the leap. And while it was heartbreaking to leave my school family, I was able to join the Character Strong team for a little while. I helped to create their Purposeful People Toolkit for social and emotional growth and do some writing on, on my own, do some freelance work in self-care and mindfulness to help support the people who are really doing the holy work still, holding the hearts of our most precious natural resource, the children. And so I just feel like a support person. I'm blessed. I'm in year 37 right now, and I'm still learning stuff every single day. I love that so much. I, you have such a beautiful way with words. And it's just fascinating to think that when I first talked to you and had you on the podcast, you were about ready to take that leap. And I had just taken a leap. And so our journeys have been really interesting, yet so different, but similar. And it's just been a joy to see you in that Um development stage in a new place in a new time, but using your expertise in a way that is just so deeply authentic. It's awesome. Thank you. It's been so fun to watch your journey too. I think our connection because I grew up in Wisconsin on a dairy farm. And so I feel that home state girl power thing going on with you and to just be entrepreneurs. It's a little daunting, especially when the world closed down and, and we were not able to travel as much anymore to take our message out personally. And so we had to find ways just along with every other educator in the world to stay connected and still do that ministry. And so it has been an amazing year. Again, growth and um, flexing, right? Pivoting all of those words we've come <laughs> to love and hate at the same time to help us um, just dig deeper and, and strengthen our resolve, right? Mm, absolutely. Oh, I'm just so excited to have you here. And I needed this revitalization in my own heart to hear from a common minded, but also uh, just a deeply uh, deep thinker. That's who you are. Barbara, you really are. And I love our connection. Absolutely. Listeners, I have got to tell you that if you have not heard that episode with Barbara, you absolutely have to. We had you featured on the series of Motherhood, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was May that year. You were, yes, I'll never forget it. You just had this super powerful message. We spent a lot of time in that space. And so today we get to spend more time kind of uncovering some of those layers of Barbara. And we have you featured here on this creator series. He's a huge part of who you are as a person is a creator. So I'd love to hear, first of all, what that, you know, what does creator mean to you? What, what conjures in your mind when you think about that? You know, I've always kind of had a need to create for as long as I can remember, whether I was being a pen pal and creating fun and exciting letters for the people who were going to write back and be my window into the world, or whether I was sewing or knitting or anything I was doing for H related kindness in the kitchen. My mom taught me to create recipes at a very young age. I feel like I have been creating forever. And so for me, the creativity, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's like a release. It's like harmony in my heart. And sometimes it keeps me up at night. So it's not always a positive, but it's a way to express. For me, I think it's a way to express joy. 
and gratitude to bring an idea full circle. I used to do it alone by myself. I've grown as a person and said, Ooh, what if I brought people on to help, you know, kind of move it from me to we. So collaborative circles and creativity, um, bring it even at a bigger ma- magnitude. But I just love the idea of a seed planted and then the ultimate fruit, even if sometimes it's years and years later. That's so beautiful. And I appreciate so much how you wove in this whole history. Um, Kindness in the kitchen just makes me smile. Even in the way that you phrase things, I can tell that you have such a creative nature. And it's a joy to hear too about the idea of going from whatever is in your heart to a collaborative way too, because that's been a a huge part of your journey. I would love to hear, Barbara, about you. I know that you've created things in-house in a school district. So do you just want to talk a little bit about programs that you've been a part of creating? Because I know educators, we maybe don't even think about that as creativity and becoming creators when we're leading a charge. Right. I think probably one of my biggest sources of pride when I was in, um, I was at Westwood Elementary for 14 years. That's the place that I stayed the longest. I first landed there in the year 2000, and it struck me that they had such an amazing community of volunteerism and connection. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a school of character. So I immediately set out to write a school of character application and focus on the word I because I was doing it alone and I had to learn in that eight-year process that it wasn't going to be a me thing and it needed to be a we thing. But I really did apply for that um, for that distinction of school of character um, eight different times. On the seventh try, they said, yes, you are a state school of character, but keep trying. And by the year 2009, we were celebrated as a national school of character. And what I learned along the way, again, that bigger picture, that me to we, that I'm one small voice and I absolutely am important to plant those seeds. But if I'm going to have a garden that flourishes, then I need to bring people along so that um, we can go deeper and wider together. And during that process, one of my very favorite creativity things came from a mom who said to me, hey, I got a third grader who got a knitting kit for her birthday. Any chance you could teach her to knit? And I was looking for a service learning project at the time. And I was like, wait a minute. Yes, I used to know how to knit. And she even promised to volunteer. And then she was employed before the ground, um, the the club got off the ground. So she never did end up volunteering, but we started a knitting club. And what we did was research who could use our help. And we found a group called Save the Children or Oddly enough, they found us through the Knit One, um, through the Warm Up America Corporation, who had also found us. But anyway, we ended up knitting baby hats because we were told that in Bangladesh, they don't even name their babies for nine months because they are not expected to live. But if you were to knit them a hat, which is one of the five to thrive life-saving measures, you could literally save a baby's life. So we had a rep come in from Connecticut and talk to our kids. And there is this gorgeous picture that the Houston Chronicle took of these third graders listening to this research and deepening their resolve 
to knit something creative and and handsy, right? Something they can do head, heart, and hands to solve a problem and become helpers, right? It their empathy, their compassion, their kindness. It went. Up. I don't know, out of this world. It was incredible. We had over a hundred knitters at one time knitting these baby hats. We sent thousands of caps to Ethiopia, Bangladesh, and um, South America. And it was unbelievable. And it was knitting. It was like a craft, right? It was creative. But there was a reason, right? Because empathy, it gives kindness its why. And so it, they, they knew why. They knew why we were doing it. And and they said such beautiful things like, if I survived, those babies should too. So I'm knitting this hat with love. I mean, uh, love in every stitch, my friend. And that's like one of the things that I create, helped create, right, that I'm so most proud of. Hmm, that's so beautiful. And I just... I'm stunned when I think about how many times that application went in and, you know, so many people would just give up after even the second or third, but you just kept persevering. And I love uh, that leadership lesson that we're hearing from you too, about the fact that we can't do it alone. That me to we, you know, a lot of times we evolve in our leadership journey where it's like, I'm going to be leading the charge, follow me or not. And then at some point you realize, okay, leadership is really building other leaders and amplifying other strengths and, and doing all those things. And that's, we all come to it with different um, strengths and different ideologies and different lenses. And so I just love hearing that analogy of a garden and the seed planting and the growth and the cultivation. And what a cool example of getting an, a, an idea and just making it flourish. That's such a perfect example. So thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, my pleasure. One one piece of feedback I did get, I'll never forget this. It stung so bad. Because we had three site visits, and so like three years in a row, we were finalists and just knocking at the door, but just not quite there. And one man out of Missouri who visited said, it's not clear that students in this school have an authentic voice. And I thought to myself, you have got to be kidding me. Any kid in this school knows that they can just knock on my door and I have an open door policy. And I was a little offended because... I just didn't understand, right? Then I had to dig into voice. Like, what does that mean? What does he mean by that? Because either he missed something or I'm missing something. And I had such an eyes and heart wide open for the idea that I totally missed it. And I didn't really know what an authentic voice was until he was courageous enough to put in our feedback that we had some work to do in that area. And it didn't just mean they can come to us if they need us, right? Right. <laughs> I laugh do now. You wanna, well, you laugh now, but I know there's a listener that still might have that same notion. And I appreciate that vulnerability of being willing to share what it took you to grow because I do still hear a lot of that. Um, you know, my door is always open. What do you think was the shift for you? What key piece did you learn? You know, it was about not waiting for them to um, come to me with an idea. It was about amplifying 
what their ideas were in the first place. And I think shortly after that, what happened is there was a tsunami and um, little Michael came to me and Michael said, hey, Miss Gruner, you know, those people that are getting flooded, we're going to help them, right? And in my head, I was like, oh, buddy, we're in the middle of our playground project. And no, that's a really good idea. But the timing is all off, all of those things in my head. And I will never forget saying, yes, we are. What did you have in mind? And it was that day with that little boy, Michael, that just shifted like, here's a kid coming to me just certain that our school of character was going to help with the tsunami. And he said, you know, if we just each brought a dollar worth of change, don't we have about 800 kids? Wouldn't that be about $800? And I was like, I do believe you're right. There's a little bit of math there. What if we each brought $2? And Michael moved to Oklahoma shortly after that, but his little raspy voice will forever be imprinted on my heart because he helped me shift from I'm going to come up with the idea and you're going to help me play it out the other way around. And only if you need my help, because guess what? Nine times out of 10, they didn't even need my help. He was like, how about we get one of those big water jugs and people can just put their quarters in there and we can call it a wave of love. I mean, this kid had it all mapped out first grade. Miss Quigley's class, actually. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's a beautiful connection. And I I think we need to share that with the listeners. But I wanted to pause (laughs) just a second and say... That's, that's such a gift because I think in our pre-chat, we talked about how we can be mouthpieces sometimes for one another. And it's just like, maybe you don't even realize it in the moment, but the fact that you said his little raspy voice is echoing and it just, it was a moment, you know, we have dozens, hundreds, depending on what you're doing, interactions every day. And it's so easy to ignore, to find the problems, to find the barriers and ideas, right? But just opening that up in your soul was clearly meant to be. So do you want to share with that that revelation, Mrs. Quigley's class? It kind of made me chuckle. You've been on an adventure recently to do another level and kind of a new level of creating. Let's hear about that project. A new level. Yes, thank you. Mrs. Quigley is a dear friend, and she was across the hall teaching first grade for the 14 years that I was at Westwood. And probably a decade ago, and we had made a trip together um, to Washington, D.C., and so we had gotten closer. It was one of our National School of Character things, and she was on my committee, and it all came together. My dad came to visit the school, and she got to meet him and said, oh, I love your daddy. I just wish my daddy were around. I think they're so the same. And I said, oh, tell me about your daddy. Well, he passed away at the age of 82. I'm sorry, 52. And so he's no longer with us. And and but but oh my gosh, your daddy reminds me so much of him. He was the maintenance man at the first school where I taught. And we could hear his keys coming and it was so cool because you could hear his keys coming and you get so excited and he was going to stop in and see you and he was this maintenance man but he was a carpenter and a painter and if somebody wanted their house painted on the weekend, he would just go. He would just go and paint their house and he just had this service servant heart and his handshake was his bond and just all that same stuff I felt when I met your daddy. And I said, oh, Mr. Quigley's keys, that sounds like a picture book. Why don't you write his story? And she looked at me and she said, oh, I'm not a writer, but I know someone who is. 
And it was kind of a full stop because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Are you giving me permission to write your daddy's story? But I looked at her and I said, you know, I don't, I don't really write fiction. I don't know. I really just like, I like write, you know, stories that I've been through that I, you know, so I've sat on this for like 10 years, right? In October of 2019, a young girl who ended up at the school where I had just left, I left, she came as the art teacher. She took over the knitting club. Actually, this all kind of weaves together. She reached (laughs) out and said, I've heard, it's weird. She reached out and said, I've heard good things about you. And I wondered if um, we could meet for coffee. And I would like to be able to involve um, my art with my, with some counseling, maybe at some point down the road, art therapy or something. Would, do you think you would mentor me? And so I thought, okay, that's so fun. So we met at Dunbrose locally and I left that meeting October of 2019 saying, oh my goodness, she's going to illustrate my picture book. Well, I didn't really have a picture book. All I had was the title. And then I was like, okay, now I just have to write it and find a publisher. (laughs) So I called her the next day and I said, I don't even know if you're interested in um, illustrating a picture book, but I have this picture book idea and I have it on my heart that you're supposed to illustrate it. And she, she wrote back or texted back. Yes, I've actually got that on my bucket list and I'll make some sketches. If you want to send me, I said, okay, I have to write it first. And so I wrote it down and then the pandemic caused me to have more and more time because you know, flash forward just a few months in 2020 and the world was going to press pause so that I could write my story, sharpen my story, find a publisher for the story and give Audrey some time to do up some sketches. Here's the cool thing. I pitched it to EduMatch, which is by educators, for educators. And within the month, they wrote back and said, we absolutely love it. So this was July of 2020. And when I told Jennifer Quigley that we signed a contract, she said, you won't believe this, but this is the 35-year anniversary of my daddy's death today, Mm -hmm. the day you signed the contract. So I just felt like it was all meant to be. It just all lined up. Audrey got a contract. They they like for professional illustrators to do the work, but I told them that I had this girl that I really was called to use and, and they allowed me to do that. And we got our contracts going and it's due out June the 1st. I was just getting all choked up over here, just thinking about the beauty of every little aspect of that. And not only, and I don't know if you'd ever thought about this, Barbara, but you had already shared how you had to learn in the other space of your life about that it couldn't just be you. <laughs> and so you could have, you know, you had that moment of pause where your friend was like, you can write my dad's story 10 years ago. And you're thinking, not me, but here you are. And, and it isn't, it's not me. It's, it's we, it's the roots of a beautiful story of someone else and bringing in this wonderful mentorship and just bringing more people to the table. And I just find that to be so beautiful. It's like a, it's a weaving of so many different messages here. It got me emotional. It's powerful. Thank you. I think it's going to be a good story because I think because it's about an unsung hero, right? And Mr. Quigley, one thing that the listeners might want to know is that he did lose his hearing in the war, in the Korean War. And so he couldn't even hear his own keys, but his keys have a clanging cadence. The message 
of all things good, the, the mural on the wall that he paints that includes joy and gratitude, creativity and work ethic, peace and empathy. And it kind of all comes together in the way he lives his life, even without really, he doesn't really need to, to say a lot because how he lives his life is the message that he teaches the kids, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. A legacy lived out. That is just gorgeous. I love it. I can't wait. Why is it not June 1st yet? <laughs> right. So we have about six more weeks. The launch is June the 1st in a fun serendipitous twist. That is my 60th birthday, <laughs> June the 1st. So I'm so excited to be able to share with children that you're never too young or too old to create and to let go of the can'ts because you want to live your yes. And when I go out and speak to kids, the yes stands for Y is yearn, E is embrace, and S is serve. And so that passion and that purpose and going all in and looking for ways to serve just like Mr. Quigley served in his community, just like the kids who in a fun key twist at the end, um, look for ways to serve him. I think it's really going to hit a home run, and I'm super excited to introduce Audrey's artwork to the world because it's just whimsically brilliant. Mm, That's so powerful, and I'm so excited for it to happen, and I love that those birthday connections on the start date of the contract and the completion of the publication is also pretty fantastic, Barbara. That's thank you. Very cool. Oh my goodness. So I also wanted to just ask you a question because I know you said, thank you for sharing that you're going to impact the students and the kids that you're speaking to with the message. But I am most certain that the mission and your message for the listeners today was couched exactly in what you just said, that it's going to be your 60th birthday and it's never too late to create. It absolutely is not. But I would also love for you to just unpack a little bit. You have you mentioned that it's not the type of writing that is typical for you, and there's probably some fear and some question in there, but you ended up moving forward with it. Would you just give us a little insight into the creative process of the difference maybe between weaving your stories in a narrative way versus writing a fictional story? And, and that format of a children's book, I mean, it's all similar and yet very different. Right. So you try to keep it to 32 or 45 pages, which are the industry standards. Um, I I hope that it'll become a mentor text because I did use a lot of alliteration. I also have um, thinking questions at the end, writing prompts and character development, um, reflection questions. But basically, I think what you just have to do is get the idea of for the story written down, like the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Are you going to write third person or first person? And if you're going to give the first person, which I did, my character is Harmony, and she's telling the story from front to back, how are you going to keep her voice in that age group? Because like, say she's a third grader. Well, I want to you know, I want to introduce some fun vocabulary. So maybe she's a precocious third grader, but I also, right. So I had clanging cadence of Mr. Quigley's keys. And I was like, yes. And then my friends are looking at me like, okay, there's not any, like, 
that's just not, okay, well, I'll put it in the back as vocabulary because I want to introduce new words and I want fun alliteration and I want, but I had to keep, um, keep on with like, stay in that character's voice. Can you hear that child saying that? So to me, I went back to the kids. Remember I had, um, 34 years altogether, but 25 were in an elementary pre-K through fifth grade setting. So I would think, you know, could I hear Addison say that? Or could I hear, you know, there's a character, Dante, who says, well, I want to do a surprise, but I don't know what. Can I hear the children that have gone before me saying these things? And then there's a focus group. So once you get everything put together, you invite seven to eight people from all different walks of life into your story to say, go ahead and give me feedback. And you talk about vulnerable because all of a sudden, you know, you've got a first grade teacher who says, well, okay, they're not going to get that at all. Or you have a, you know, a speaker who says, um, okay, well, you know, what about this? Or what about that? Or, you know, people come from all different walks of life and you want to help them, get them to help you help them understand what you were thinking, but then get them to help you sharpen your story, right? So that, so that you just haven't missed anything. So that, um, and then that's another me to we, because you're sending this Google doc out. I mean, I sent it to Canada. I sent it to California. I sent it to Kentucky, like all over to just say, I humbly ask for your feedback, good, bad, or in, you know, whatever. Um, we want to know what we can change to make it better. We want to know what resonates. We want to know what doesn't. Um, we we really want to know and because we can't grow without feedback right if if we're just like rocking along thinking we're doing it but someone has an idea of a way to do it better than you know that permission or that invitation super important so that was kind of the process mm. and it's really beautiful because that's a process embedded with the publisher that you are connected to the edge match um, community yes. which is awesome very yes. powerful Okay, my friend. Well, I thank you for indulging me that because it was um, very insightful. And I think that there's somebody listening that needed to hear that because it will help empower them to go from, I've been thinking about this for 10 years, <laughs> to maybe becoming a creator themselves. So thank you for taking those steps and then for sharing them with us. I'm so grateful. So we've unfortunately come to the end of this conversation. I say that because I just always love listening to you. I can't wait to edit this episode and <laughs> re-edit it and look back and listen over and over again because I know there's so much that you weave in and I know you're masterful at that. So could you do me a favor and answer those two standard questions for us so we can gain just a final insight from you today, my friend? Absolutely. All righty. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Probably going to write to my younger self and just remind myself to unwrap the present, to stay in the moment just a little bit longer, to hold my kids' hands just a little bit tighter, even as I'm letting them go, to just be more present. It's a good, it's a good thing for all of us, um, that present moment awareness is always so hard, especially when I heard you say things like that creating can keep me up at night. <laughs> There's always something right on the horizon. That's beautiful. 
Okay, how about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear Barbara's voice to help them rise up out of it, what could you say? I'm going to have to say, don't do this alone. Um, At NASA, where my husband works, there's a thing called single point of failure, and they would never ever allow a single point of failure. In fact, when they sent up the Apollo missions, there were 400,000 people involved. I mean, the whole it takes a village isn't just a nice adage. So I would say don't go it alone. Find that one person. Find that moment of inspiration. Lean on that higher power, whatever it takes. We were not meant to do this alone and fear creeps in and it takes over so fast, but it can dissipate just as quickly if you resist the urge to go it alone. Perfectly uh, woven in again with so much of your message for us today. And so I think that was really beautiful way to end the interview. And also, I just wanted you to know that I, I could feel that deep in my own heart. So I'm thankful for you, Barbara. I'm thankful for your wisdom. I'm so grateful for the connection that I always feel with you. You just seem to always be there when this lady is feeling maybe alone. So <laughs> it turns out that you are a, a fantastic light in this world. And I'm just so grateful. Would you do me a favor and just let the listeners know. I know they're going to want to get a hold of a copy of Mr. Quigley's Keys and maybe even your previous publication, but also just to be able to interact with you. What is the best way for them to do that? I'm probably the most on Twitter at Barbara Gruner. I do love to pop in on Twitter a couple times a day and just see what's going on. It's one of my ways to learn, but it's also one of my ways to share inspiration. I've been creating these monthly calendars and I put those out and it's just kind of a fun way to share. I'm also at barbaragrunerauthor.com. It's my new website to kind of showcase Mr. Quigley's keys and my 2014 um, What's Under Your Cape book as well as a collaboration that I did last summer with Dr. Jean and a couple of other educator friends called the Virtual Classroom Survival Guide. Then I also blog at thecorneroncharacter.com. Well, I will make sure to have all of those linked so that listeners, you can easily get a hold of Barbara and her work. Thank you again, my friend. I'm so grateful to be able to end this series with your inspiration. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And I I do want to let you know that I did give a copy of your book to my friend, Audrey. Um, We are still in kind of a mentorship kind of situation. And at one point she was um, just, just needing its message. And so you really have a connection now with both of us um, as well. Oh, and I can't stop beaming. Thank you so much. That's beautiful, Barbara. (laughs) So grateful for you, Sarah. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.